Thanks for joining us for our second Hemisync podcast, this time featuring Scott Taylor, college professor, uh, expert on small businesses, a consultant to small businesses. Um, Scott also holds a, de- a degree in divinity, um, is a residential trainer at the renowned Monroe Institute, and is a noted expert on the near-death experience uh, and kilts. I understand Scott is wearing his famous kilt today. Yes. If you wouldn't mind... I would be glad to model this for you. Sorry for the audio right. for the audio only listeners. Scott is uh, displaying his kilt right now. Very there we go. Kilt. Carton. Kilt. Yep. I of course am wearing my. Let me see. So there's a drink for my flying man. Mug. So the reason there is a reason I wear my kilt. Yes. And that is that I have I have studied over 3,300 near death experiencers. And, and interviewed hundreds of them. And what I know is that these individuals are important to me because they have been killed and brought <laughs> back to life again. Oh, that was terrible. Uh, thank you for that. Um, and, so perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> and so perhaps most importantly, Scott recently recorded his third album in the Into the Light series, this one called Exploring the Tunnel, which I'm sure he has on hand. Boom, there it is. There we go. And so, Scott, thanks for joining us today, and uh, let's get right into it. I'm really glad to be here. Great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so this time we're exploring the tunnel. And I think lots of people generally think of the tunnel as something that you just kind of go through. Um, and, you know, in my own experiences, I've had certain tunnel-like experiences, and I find myself kind of carried through it at a high rate of speed, Um, maybe not even intentionally, just kind of happens that way. Um, So what made you saunter through the tunnel? I had this uh, great conversation with Joe McMonagle. He's a world-class remote viewer, and he was describing to me his experiences between the difference between the experiences between his first near-death experience and the second and in the first uh he was just like you described where he said you know he left this physical body and there was this tunnel and he just flew right to to the white light and he just couldn't wait to get there it was drawing him with such magnetism well in his second um Again, he lifts out of his body, he's presented with the tunnel, and he starts to fly. And then it occurs to him, hey, I already know what's at the end of the tunnel. Why not spend a little bit of time to figure out if there's anything interesting here in this tunnel? And he used that great word. He said, so I chose to saunter Mm -hmm. to the tunnel. And I went, oh my gosh. That, A, it's a great word, but it was relevant on a couple of points. One is that he was in such control that he could choose what it is that he wanted to do. It wasn't as if his near-death experience was predetermined for him, that he had the ability to, to manipulate it and to speed it up, slow it down. And then there's the discovery process. So... He sauntered down the tunnel and he discovered all kinds of things. Well, I'm one of those folks that says, well, if he can do it, then I can do it. Mm -hmm. We all can do it. So 
I tried it and sure enough, when you go to the tunnel, you can slow down, you can walk. And all of a sudden now what, what becomes available to you, start hearing this amazing music. And there's, for me anyway, there was crystals on the wall and there's this, and all these colors that just emanated from the walls and from the crystals. And when you touch things, um, not only did they have a, a real tactile sense, um, there's this great word called synesthesia, which means that um, you can smell colors and you can taste sounds. And so what happened for me in the tunnel was I started to experience color in lots of different modalities and it became now this sensory sensory rich environment that um, you could explore and you know when you touch the walls of a of the tunnel there's information there for you there's information for you in the in the light in the um, in the textures of of the crystals um, this last week i was teaching an MBE workshop at the Monroe Institute. And there were several people who, when they were going down the walk, going down the tunnel, there were different parts of their lives that were there. So it was like a preview to their past life review. And so it's a, it's a, a rich environment that allows us to, to go and explore it if we slow down. And there's all kinds of, really interesting information for us that's there. And so I guess much of this then is really beyond the five physical senses. I mean, we're using words like see and touch and smell because that's yeah. kind of what our brain understands and what our language allows. But really what you're talking about is a way of sensing and perceiving that we don't really have words for. And it's words, words, uh, words don't really do it justice. Um, in the near-death literature, there's a series of common elements, and the very first common element is ineffable. Mm. It's a great word, and it just means we don't have English words to describe what it is that happens. And so people who've had near-death experiences, they try as best they can to dance around and explain things. And so we're, when you're in, the tunnel, uh, what I've discovered uh, through my experience and the experiences of others is that there's a ability to now open up and have uh, a sensory rich and so there are colors there that don't exist here on the planet. Mm. How do you perceive those? How do you perceive sounds that come to you that you can taste them. And, and so it starts to dissolve the boundaries about what we think is normal sensory perceptions, which in turn becomes really valuable when we start having the other experiences associated with near death experiences, those other common elements. It, it gives us more information and it tells us more about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then I was also observing that, there's a lot more verbal guidance on this track than there typically yeah. is in an average hemisync exercise. That's Why right. did you think that was necessary? When we do, um, 
I've been trained in the Monroe experience. Uh, I started in 1983, and what Bob Monroe did is he presented us with a map of the non-physical world. And, you know, based on his experience, you go from here to here to here, and there's these places to go. And it's a, a template, a model of the non-physical universe. Absolutely awesome. But what we know is that the non-physical universe is also uh, has been mapped out by people who've had near-death experiences. It's a different model. And so what you know we're trying to do on these exercises is to take people to different locales in the non-physical universe that have been explored by millions of people who've had near-death experience. And so we're, we're taking people on a different path and allow giving them a, a bigger, um, a breadth of experience that isn't available just to uh, the normal hemisync exercises. And so uh, what I try to do on the first CD in this album is to take people and give them tastes of where it is that they can go and what it is that they can do in the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And and so they get to learn how to move, maneuver and how to take these skills and apply them. But uh, because we're limited in time on these things, you you kind of you just learn to, to move maneuver around. And then on the second CD, which is an open exercise, there's very little guidance. You take those skills, use them in the, the open exercise so that you can spend time you can spend a whole day just sitting there and looking at the crystals and trying to figure out what it is that they're there for and what information they have for you and all of the um, the sensory input that they have. And so that's that's what's going on. Is the first CD is a teaching CD, mm -hmm. and it allows you to move between various points. It allows you, it teaches you different kinds of skills so you can maneuver in the non-physical universe easily. The second CD is really geared for, okay, now that you know the way, immerse yourself in it and do it at your own pace. Great. Well, I, I thought it was very effective. Uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, both tracks um, and thought that the guidance was extremely helpful, um, but there was still enough space to kind of have your own experience and to explore, especially on the second track, obviously. I mean, it's, yeah. it's free flow. Cool. Um, so with the three albums now, we've covered uh, meeting your guides, the tunnel, uh, meeting friends and relatives, a life review, yeah. cities of light, um, and the realm of infinite knowledge. Are these exercises similar to what one might experience if they attended one of your NDE workshops at the Institute? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, we do uh, exercises like these where we take people to very specific spots and teach them about how to be in a tunnel and how to have a life review. Um, and of course, there's lots more that we do at a at a workshop. Um, there's a whole bunch of other places that we visit, and it's nice to have a whole group of people that are with you all week. And you know, there's that group energy, 
there's all the creativity that comes out of a group. They sit there and go, "Really, you you did what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't I didn't I didn't think you could do that. Yeah. Well, if you can do it, I can do it. And all of a sudden, it, it starts to feed on itself. And then there's a couple of trainers who are there saying, you know, if you look this way, or if you broaden your, you know, there's all kinds of nice little hints that are available at a workshop that um, aren't necessarily available on a CD. However, yeah. you know, this guy is a whole <laughs> lot less expensive. Yeah. And it's, and they're wonderful introductions. Uh, the first one, um, was geared specifically to give people four very distinctly different kinds of near-death experiences. Because we know that folks who have near-death experiences um, are, uh, there's, a, there's an infinite variety. And it's nice to be able to say, oh, yeah, that part where you go visit the dead relatives, I'd like to do that. Or there's the part about my life review. How does this all fit together? And what are the lessons that I've learned? In, how could things have worked out if they've been a little different? So all that's uh, available to folks who, who try out the CDs. Great. And they're unashamedly yeah. plugged. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Um, and so at TMI, we speak in what's called focus levels. And so if you're listening and are unfamiliar with focus yes. levels, it's really a unique brainwave form um, that is specific to a certain state of consciousness. Um, and so yep. we call those focus levels. And so as we look at these various near-death type experiences, um, do you think they correspond to certain focus levels? Or how do you think about it? This is kind of inside baseball. Yeah. Um, so... You described it really well. There's the focus levels are a waveform that supports you in a certain state of expanded awareness. And what we know about the focus levels is that um, they are are really helpful at certain kinds of near death experiences. You know, so the tunnel is at a, is near a focus level, and. When we teach the class, we don't talk about focus levels. We talk about vibratory windows because we use a hemisync tone, but it's a little tweaked. Mm. And for somebody who's gone through the Monroe Institute model, it's hindering to say, oh, we're going to focus 15. Because then they have in their mindset, oh, it looks like this, it feels like that. And, and it kind of shuts down the possibility of their experience. Yeah. We don't do that. We sit, we're going to go to a vibratory window, which is created by Hemisync, and we're going to open this thing up for you, and you get to you know walk through it, and the possibilities are now endless. You don't have to use a particular model, and we have Hemisync there to support you. That's it. We try. We use Hemisync to support people, but it's not about Hemisync. It's really about you know, what you can do there and the guidance that you get allows you to get on this path um, so that you can experience things like the tunnel, for instance. It's one of those areas where once you know what it feels like and once you know you've been there, I mean, literally millions of people have gone through a tunnel 
So the path is real, really well-worn. All that we're trying to do is to take you there yeah. and say, here it is, here's the path, and now go explore, and off you go. Right. It's great. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people get too hung up on, uh, you know, what focus level and exercise is in, or, you know, what frequencies am I getting, um, instead of um, remembering that, your consciousness is capable of inducing these experiences on its own. And we're really just kind of giving it a little nudge to kind of go there, to reach that locale. Um, One of the things that we know about this work is that when we're in the non-physical universe, intention is everything. So when we talk about going to, um, uh, we're going to go to the white light or we're going to meet our teacher protector or we want to visit some divine being name your location um, you know we go into it put the intention out there and when we enter that expanded state of awareness you know all the rules have changed it's this quick it's like oh i want to go see my guide poof guide right there mm-hmm. i want to go to the tunnel poof the tunnel is right there everything is so fast and it's lovely because you can move and experience and now all of a sudden intention is important but so is your creativity like what do you want to experience there is nothing limiting you i mean literally nothing limiting you so how and what do you want to know about what kind of experience do you want to have that's where the fun gets to be mm-hmm. it's just fun <laughs> <laughs> very good um so scott you've done three albums now on the near-death experience you have not written a book what, why is that ah uh, thank you for asking because it's when i finished doing my doctorate work uh, you know, one of the things that typically happens when you do that, that kind of thing is you take this academic paper and you, you know, recast it and write a book based on it. Well, one of the things that I have done over the years is to, to try to establish this connection with my higher self, whatever that means. And my higher self kept telling me, Scott, there's enough books out there. We really don't need another book by you about near-death experiences. That's really been covered. But what people really need is to turn their belief of a near-death experience, if this is possible, and give them the experience so they can turn that belief into a known to understand that they really are these energetic spiritual beings that are infinitely loved and and tied to the creative force of the universe. We are the stuff of God and all that that can be. So it's, um, how do you take and give people that experience? Well, it took me a while to figure it out, Um, but now we can do that. And that's that's where the fun is because now we have people who, you know, I've long said, boy, I wish I could have that near-death experience, but you know, that whole bodily trauma thing, I really don't want to do that part. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. It's, um, 
you know, because the typical near-death experience, the physical body is so traumatized that it dies. I mean, it's, it's wounded in some catastrophic way. And that means that, you know, you have to heal the body and there's, you know, if it's car accidents, it's other people die. And I mean, it's in and of itself, it's not, it's typically not a really positive event. So if we can skip all that and just say, can we go to that energetic level that people go to when they have near-death experiences uh, without the trauma? Let's do it. And we've known for a long time that people have spontaneous out-of-body experiences, spontaneous near-death experiences uh, while deeply meditating. And that was my impetus for this mm -hmm. because it's in the in the literature. It's 40 years we've known this. We haven't quite been able to figure out how to get there. And now we can. So thank you, Emmy Sink. Thank you, Monroe. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> yeah, we can we can do this thing. Yeah. And so kind of getting into why it's so important to have these types of experiences, these near-death experiences. I mean, you touched on connecting to the creator, something greater than yourself. Um, but then just kind of yeah. also more basically, I mean, it's just overcoming the fear of death itself or, uh, you know, the experience yeah. of death. Um I mean, it, it seems to me that so, that runs so yeah. deep. Oh, sorry. So what happens? Why do we watch movies where we know what the ending is? Because we, we know that the first time when we watch a movie, we're all caught up in the drama of what the heroine is doing, what the, what the hero is doing and how they, you know, maneuver through their lives. And at the end of the movie, you know, it comes to some pleasant conclusion. What, what I know about this work is that we get to go to the end of the movie yeah. and we get to be able to experience um, what it's like to make our transition out of our physical bodies back to our home. And it's amazing, it's lovely, it's joyful, it's ecstatic, it's exquisite, it's, you know, it's, it's beyond all these words. And once you've had that experience and you know what the ending is, then you can come back and you can start living this life with some, with some gusto. You don't have to be afraid of life anymore. Yeah. You don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen because you already know what the answer is. The answer is I'm going to lift out of my body and I'm going to rejoin the love of the universe. Right. Cool. Right. So in this life, we now have much more freedom to actually be here and be a part of this life and not be separate from us because we know at the end we win. Right. It's, yeah, yeah so it's, it's this odd dichotomy of I'm teaching people about death and the transition that happens so that they can live here now. And I, it just, it just makes everybody's life like, oh, wow. Yeah. The implications this is wonderful. Of that, I can. Yeah. So the implications of that are so profound, though, because I, I think people think of it as, 
okay, well, yeah, so of course I have a fear of death, but that's something kind of way off down the line. It doesn't impact my day-to-day too much. But, you know, oh, mm. I, I have this, you know, fear of, you know, scarcity, of not having enough or uh, of getting sick. You know, but right underneath that, underlying that really is a fear of death. And it informs yeah. our relationship choices, our educational choices, our career choices, so many different choices um, and impacts us in ways that I think most of us don't fully appreciate. So, you know, thank you for doing this work. Uh, you're welcome. And it's great fun. And so, which um, is weird, isn't it? That's what pe- people tell me that all the time. Say, is this, is this a little weird to be like hanging around with this death? And I said, actually, it's one of the most joyful things that I have ever done in my life. Yeah. Is to be able to touch that space again. Yeah. To touch that space of, of joy and love and to know that I am connected to um, the eternal, to, to God at all times. And what's really lovely about people who've used the CDs for a while or the folks that come to my workshop is that they get to understand that this love is the foundational energy of the universe and we are made up of it, that we can never be separated from it because it is us. Mm-hmm. We are made of it. So there's this separation happens only because we have chosen to be here in this dualistic universe. And it's part of one of the rules here. So in order for us to kind of live and understand the beauty of unity, we have to back off and give ourselves the illusion of duality, because it's only that it's only an illusion. And we can tap into that unity at any time that we choose. And once we know that the very core of our being, we get to live from that. We get to live from this place of, of love and, and concern and service. It just has all kinds of really impl- interesting implications. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in your previous talks, I've, I've heard you talk about um, different kinds of light. Um, I think most people think mm-hmm. of, you know, going to the light as, you know, going to a white light. Uh, but that's not always the case, is it? No, it's not. Uh, and you're right. Uh, the, the popular media has latched on to this idea that there is a white light at the end of the tunnel. And which is true. There is. It's a golden white light and it's uh, it's piercingly bright. And it's it's the kind of light that just infuses us with the love of the universe. Um, it's the kind of light that um, when you step into it, and if you were to look around, what you would notice is that there's no shadow. Hmm. Um, it's the kind of light that you merge with. So you become one with this, this beautiful, amazing, uh, loving light. But there's two other kinds of light. Um, there's black light and there is uh, clear light. Black light is extraordinary. Um, everybody that I've talked to has had a black light experience. I mean, everybody, when they start talking about it, they cross their arms. Let's see if I can get in the TV screen here. They cross their arms and they do something like this. Mm-hmm. They talked about being held and loved and in, 
embraced. They feel embraced by the black light. And that sense of nurture is the signature aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, embraced, nurture, and and so they're loved, held, nurtured. And then this is also the place. There's a there's a special part of the black light that you can walk to that is the source. Remember back in the Bible when God did his his first miracle and he said, let there be light. Mm -hmm. Well, what was before the light was the source. And we can take people to there. That's the black light is the source of everything. It's the unmanifested potential of the universe. It's where everything exists before form. It exists as this energy, this loving, nurturing energy. Um, many of the people who um, have a chance to experience this, um, either through a near-death experience or through the workshop or through the CDs, um, describe this as the womb of God. Oh, that's a great word. So it's yeah. that, isn't that lovely? Yeah. It just talks about how you can take this, these non-specific energy, energetic forms and create. It's the place of manifestation of the universe's manifestation. So that's black light. Um, clear light is its own really special thing. Uh, we call it, uh, its nickname is the clear light of love. And the uh, signature aspect of this one is that there is this, um, the energy, this loving energy emanates, it radiates from everything. So in the exercises that we do, um, we talk about um, being able to enter into a space and notice it's really evident in, in the tunnel where there is this, it, it just comes out of everything. And when you get into an expanded state, and you open your physical eyes and look around, you can see the energy, this loving energy of the universe, the, the very fabric of which things are made of, coming out of things. And it's the first time that people do it and they open their eyes and they see the, uh, the air and they understand that the air is alive with this loving energy. It's like little bubbles that kind of hmm. pop all over the place. Um, so that's, that's a clear light experience. And when I had my shared near death experience, that's the one that, that's the version I had, mm -hmm. um, was a, was a clear light experience where you're kind of folded into this, um, energetic space that was just radiating love. So it's, mm -hmm. that is, it's just wonderful. Beautiful. And so I asked Bill Buhlman about this um, as well, and so I feel compelled to ask you. Um, but it seems like oh, I have to compete with Bill. Thank no, you. It, it, it's <laughs> it's it's not a competition, Scott. But um, okay, good. <laughs> lots of these phenomena uh, seem to be going mainstream. You know, they're they're making their way oh. into pop culture. So, for instance, there's this new show on I, I think it's Netflix that's called The OA. And it's literally about near death. I experience. love the OA. Yoga, okay, you you watch the OA, yep. so I have. What do you think about all this 
kind of going mainstream? Are we kind of hitting an inflection point here in sort of the awareness of, uh, of uh, sort of the general population? We've hit it. Yeah. Um, back when I was growing up and as a young man, the image of death in the popular culture was the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. You maybe have seen pictures of this. You know, it's a guy in a robe and he's, you can't see his face and he's kind of skeleton-like and there's a great big sigh that comes over his head. And, you know, the idea was that the Grim Reaper would come and, and harvest souls almost. It was a very dark view of the, of what happened when you died and who was who was helping you do the dying. You know, <laughs> yes. I haven't seen the Grim Reaper in 15 years. Yeah. Do you know what it's been replaced by? It's been replaced by the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. When anybody talks about um, leaving their physical body or what happens after death, you know, it's just like, oh, well, you know, go to the light. It's, it's like this thrown off comment. Even Harry Potter in his last film went to and had a near-death experience. Yeah. Went to the light up in the train station there and found out some answers from, uh, you know, Dumbledore, this guy who died before him, and he came back. Um, so it's very much in our popular culture, and it has made a dramatic shift in how we view death because it's now not grim. But it's hopeful. It's yeah. loving. It's it's a place to go to that is um, accepting and and forgiving and all, you know all these wonderful attributes that are associated with making our transition. So it it makes my job a lot easier. Yeah. And I think it makes people who are interested in this topic not be afraid of it anymore. Right. I mean, really, somebody picks up a CD and they see death on the cover, it's like, whoa. Right. They're, they're more interested in, oh, I've heard about near-death experiences. I've read about them. Wow, I wonder if I could have something like that. Well, through the use of technology and proper guidance, we can take you to the same spots that near-death experiencers go to. We can take you to the tunnel. We can take you to the area where there's a reunion. We can take you to the white light, black light, clear light. We can go and have a past life review. We can go and visit the cities of light. There are so many places to visit. And it's, um, it's A, it's fun. It's a hoot and a half. Um, and it's nurturing in the sense that um, we don't feel alone anymore because we understand that we are infinitely loved always, always. And so you don't have to think about um, being separate because we are always tied to the loving energy of the universe. And it it just makes such a difference in in how we live our lives that um, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and so you're also pretty heavily involved in research on the near-death experience, right? Um, or and I know that you devour every new report that, that comes out. Are there any interesting factoids on NDEs that you know, people might like to hear about? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, let me think. 
Sure, there's a couple of, of interesting things. Uh, when we do this work, uh, what we found is that it's, it's not about learning about how to go to the tunnel or learning about how to go to the healing and regeneration center. It's about remembering. Hmm. Because we have done this, you know, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of times or millions of people who've, who've had, you know, have made the, the transition. And so when we move out of duality and we leave our physical bodies and move from the, the world of duality up into the world of the non-physical, we go, oh, yeah, I've done this before. I get this. So there's a different mindset that goes on. Mm-hmm. It, so it, it's one of those little factoid things that you go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's like another one is um, this area that we visit, uh, the non-physical universe, is uh, it's outside of time. And so uh, what happens is that now all of a sudden we have to break down the barriers about what we think is possible. So am I living another life concurrently? Sure. Am I living a life as a, as a Roman? If so, can I talk to and influence my life as a Roman? Can that Roman influence me and all my other lives? Well, now all of a sudden the possibilities just start, you know, when you say you don't have time, Mm -hmm. you can move anywhere in time this fast. Mm -hmm. So what does that make possible? Ah, that's when my head starts to hurt because <laughs> it's it's just so well yeah could I have another life back in the 1950s that could tell me about what's going on can I sit there and, and help that person in the 50s um, one of the exercises that we do is called counsel of self and this is where, uh, so picture a campfire, and around the campfire there's a bunch of logs. Uh, this is what happened to me the first time I went to the Council of Self, and I was a Boy Scout, so you know that was a familiar setting. And when I first encountered this council, I sat down on the log, and when I looked around the circle, there was me. There was Scott Taylor at five, the eight. And at 17 and 23, 35. So there is all of the me's that were there that, including some that are a lot older than me, thank you very much. <laughs> but there's, there's wisdom that we might have forgotten because of this life that we have chosen. Case in point, I had a a gentleman who um, had chosen the life of a soldier and of a policeman who was a member of the SWAT team. He had chosen a very hard life. And when he sat down with his counsel of self, his eight-year-old stood up and said, do you remember when we were seven that we used to go out to the sand dunes and fly kites? And we used to do that all Saturday morning because the breeze would come off the ocean and hit the sand dunes and it was this tremendous lift. Do you remember what that felt like? 
I'd like us to feel that again. Huh. It was like, you know, and he said his heart just melted. Yeah. Because he had forgotten that that wonder, that sense of freedom, that that being one with the wind and the sand, and he had totally left that out of his life. And so his younger self said, I want that back. And so he does. Mm. So now when he travels, he has one of those little, you know, kites with a tail and packs up nice and light. And wherever he can, he goes and flies to remember the joy of just being in the natural world. So this idea that um, time doesn't exist allows us to do all kinds of things. Uh, another factoid is that we can be, um, we can have multiple points of consciousness. So there's a, um, one of the things that I teach in the CDs and in my workshop is by location. So that you can be, say you're lying down in your bed and you can be in your bed fully conscious of being and aware that you're in a bed, you have sheets and a pillow and you know, all of that. And you can be having an experience out here someplace and you have two consciousnesses that allow this to happen. You can split them and then you can observe yourself doing the thing and it. So you can have three. Um, the most that I've heard of, uh, you know, that, that people doing these exercises and be able to sustain is six. And I'm not sure that's the one, uh, because I know that, you know, I was able to do that around the council of Se council of self, where I had each of these and was able to communicate with me at various ages. Um, so that's another little, a little thing that says, not only can we be in uh, the experience, but we can observe the experience. Well, it's actually what happens in a life review. Um, when we take people to a life review, uh, the, oops, just a second, mm -hmm. my cord got stuck. Uh, we, we take people to a life review. Um, Life reviews happen um, where you get to experience it yourself and then you get to experience it as the other. So if I'm in a, if there's a scene in my life that I wanted to look at, so I'm me standing in the checkout line and I'm uh, interacting with this 16-year-old you know, teenage girl who is you know, checking me out. So it's me. I get to experience it Ed, with all of the sensory input that you would normally have. And I get to be that person. So I get to be 16 on my first day at work operating a cash register. I really don't understand yet. So I get to be her and understand, you know, her fear and trepidation. And then at the same time, there's the omniscient point of view that says this interaction will play out among um, your life and among your universe and among your community this way. So when we're done checking out at the supermarket, um, she's going to go home and remember that exchange and 
her life will be changed as a result of it. And we get to see what happens to her, what happens to me, and what happens from an omniscient point of view. So, uh, so bilocating and trilocating is something that is normal in, in the non-physical universe. And it takes a little bit of getting used to and saying, oh, yes, A, it's possible. B, I can do it. And then C, how do I do it so I gain some more insight? Mm -hmm. um, that's fascinating uh, stuff, Scott. And there's more, but that's yeah. those are those are the little the little tidbits because what we're doing is we're learning about uh, how duality works as we learn about how the world of unity works, and it's um, probably the last factoid here that I'd like to share is that we get to choose, right. and every moment we get to choose: do we want to live in duality? Do we want to live from unity? Or both right we get to do that we get to choose I can be here and I can be hooked to uh, the love of the universe and I can operate from either place or both the fact that we chose this and continue to you know make choices in our life I think is really powerful and you know reframing everything really um, so yeah thanks for sharing that and thanks for joining us Thanks for recording uh, Into the Light, Exploring the Tunnel. And I understand we have more to come, right? Kind of getting back to the different types we of We do. Light. So yes, we are going to, we're going to have two more CDs coming out. Uh, the first one uh, is an exploration of what it's like to be in that embracing source of the black light. And the other is uh, the radiance of love that comes out of clear light. So. I have to say, uh, I think they're, all right, modesty aside, these are awesome. <laughs> I'm really proud of, of how they turned out. So I like, yeah. Good. I look forward to taking credit for it as well, even though I've had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks again. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.